Welcome to the Contrast Church Podcast. Contrast is located in Grandview, Ohio, with the mission to help people be with Jesus, become like Him, and live out His mission together. For more information on attending our meetings, our missional communities, or giving, visit contrast.church. All right, show of hands, anybody have some Amazon packages they're hoping to come tonight? Anybody? I got a few at 10, 10 p.m. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> a little nervous. I'm not going to tell some families here. I'm not going to tell you who they're for, but I hope they get here. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. We did it. This is our uh, first Christmas in the building. We did it. Hooray. Yeah. We, uh, we strung up these lights for our volunteer Christmas party and thought, this is, we should just keep them for Christmas Eve. Why not? So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just love getting to be here with you guys in this space. It's really been a blessing to us. We've only been in here for... Uh, a few weeks now, and uh, it's already been cool just to see uh, people show up and just be a part of this, and, and ways to just love our community with this space. So I want to talk about something real simple tonight. just want to talk about Jesus for a few minutes, and um, I, uh, I want to answer this question, if you have it, or you're wondering it, or you need to know it, I think, all the time, uh, is how do I know I have a hope in Jesus? How do I know that I have a hope in Jesus? Uh, this season is all about hope. And um, in the world, it, you know, it's all about presents and Hallmark cards and um, fun parties and those type of things. And um, in the Christian world, we've weirdly blend those two, which is good in some ways, uh, but a lot different in other ways. And uh, for us, this is a season and a reminder of our calendar year. We stop and we reflect on what is the hope that we have in Jesus. And uh, I was just reading through what Jerry read, Luke 2, this last week, and you know, for some of you, maybe you've heard the Christmas story, you've read Luke 2 like a million times. Some of you probably are going to do it tomorrow morning. Some of you maybe never heard of it, but you've like seen it in a movie or you've, I don't know, you've, you've sung Christmas songs, so you kind of get the idea, right? But it's profound. Every time I read it, I, 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 it just blows my mind that this is the story that God decided to write for the Savior of the world. And that's all I want to pick at today is um, there's many... You could do a whole series on, uh, on just the Christmas little story and, and, and the, the, the radical nature of that. But I want to just, I want to pinpoint today just that this is, this is God who chose this story for his son. And, um, and so as Jerry read in Luke, I just want to give you a little bit of understanding here. So you have Mary who is, uh, who is given Jesus through the Holy Spirit, which is already quite a unique experience. Uh, that we read, and the town did not do so well in that because we know how babies are made, most of us, and uh, and we're like that seems a little like that seems like a lie. So, so Joseph, her fiance, decides to to pr- keep pursuing her in the midst of what would be you know massive cultural shame. So you have Mary who is a promiscuous cultural outcast, uh, and then to make matters worse, if you've ever been pregnant or maybe you're married and your wife has been pregnant. Uh, you know, you're far along to the point where, like, you're not doing a bunch. Like, you're 38, you know, weeks pregnant, 39 weeks pregnant, 40 weeks pregnant. Like, you're not going to go on a trip, right? You're not probably going to go hiking, right? I don't know. Maybe some of you are really into that. Good for you. Uh, Sarah and I did not do any hiking. Uh, maybe, you know, at the farthest, you could probably be in a car for 20 minutes before you have to go to the bathroom, right? Um, yeah, you're like, yes. Uh, and I'm just saying this, like, from not my perspective, clearly from Sarah's, but uh, she showed me this video this week about this girl who wanted her husband to feel what it was like to carry a baby at 40 weeks, so she duct taped a watermelon 
to his belly. And it was so funny because he like couldn't even get out of the couch because he was like, his whole center of gravity was off. But regardless, like this is, this is, so she's, you know, very much close to birth, young teenager, social outcast. And you think, well, at least in this culture, at least I'll get to give birth in my home, right? Like that's where, didn't really have hospitals then. Um, maybe had some type of doulas, right? Like, but that would be at your house. But at least I'll get to be in the comfort of my home. Oh, wait, no, Caesar's going to cause a census in chapter 2 where basically, you know, we don't have internet at this point, in case you're wondering. So you couldn't just, you know, fill out your census or send in the mail. You had to show up to your, your home that you're registered in, right? So if you were Joseph, you weren't just Joseph, you were Joseph, son of whatever, Bethlehem. That was like how you knew people. So they had to go the whole way back there. And Bethlehem is, is just a tiny town, right? It is not like Columbus. It is not even probably close if you lived in a farm town to that. It is smaller than that. It is uh, so small that, that they, they have to go on this trip and everyone else is coming back for the census. So you have a bunch of people who don't live there who are coming now to register. So I don't know about you, if you're a woman or maybe you're married, like I said, you're thinking about this. This is not a good birth story. Like this is not ideal, right? Not good at all. There's many bad things that are going on uh, social, uh, social shame, you're about to give birth and you have to go on a trip and they did not have nice, comfortable cars. You're on a donkey or a horse. You've ever been horseback riding? It's kind of bumpy, I, th I imagine. Uh, I don't know if donkey riding is much different, but probably similar. Uh, and then you're going into labor and exactly what you think could get worse does get worse. There's nowhere to give birth. And you've heard this story, probably. I've, like I said, I've heard it dozens of times, but like, just think about that. I mean, if you're God of the universe and you're like, I'm going to bring my son into the world who's going to save the world, he's going to be awesome. Everybody, it's just going to, he's going to just show a new way of living of how to be human, truly. And, and then this is the story that he allows to happen. This is not, like if you're a parent, this is not what you want your daughter or son's wife's birth story to be, Right? I mean, you're probably freaking out. They're texting you like, hey, we're not going to make it. We're like in this small town. There's somebody's like garage that I think we're just going to, we're going to try and see what happens, you know? You're like, no, this is ridiculous in so many ways. And, and this is the story that, that God writes for his son. And, and I just, every time it, it just, it gets to me because there, I would have done it so differently. I don't know about you. Like, or, or Jesus, how about this? I even thought about this. What if, what if Jesus just like, could have been, you know, not even born. What if he just came into earth somehow? He just appeared, and he was 30, and he was just doing ministry, right? He didn't even have his adolescence. He wasn't born. He didn't have a family. He just came in and came out, like, no big deal. What if, what, like, why, why wasn't he born to, like, a, a super rich, wealthy person with, like, all the best health care and the nicest house and all the influence that he wouldn't even, like, have to think about earning influence? He just, people would know his name, right? Like, there's so many other ways I would have done it. And good, thank God that I didn't get to write the story, right? And you didn't get to write the story. But God clearly is trying to send a message here. And that's what I want to get to you today. How do I know I have a hope in Jesus? Just think about this story. So they get to Bethlehem and there's no room. And, and I know a lot of your Bibles and even our translation that we read, which is the Net Bible, says there's no room at the inn. The inn is probably best translated guest room because this city was so tiny, it probably didn't have an inn. Um, or just had someone who had maybe a few extra rooms, but it wasn't like a formal inn because Bethlehem was not a place you traveled. It was not a good pit stop. And so there's no place to go. In fact, Sarah and I literally had, I'm not comparing my life to Jesus, but we had a similar story this summer. We were going to this conference for 
Uh, our church is a part of Caris Fellowship. It's like a network. And we were a part of uh, their conference, their annual conference in the summer. And so I booked our hotel way out in advance. It's in Goshen, Indiana, which is kind of similar. Small town, not a lot going on. Uh, but we, uh, we, we you know, booked a hotel, same hotel as our, our, our sending church, Movement Church. And, uh, you know, at the same time, and I'm like, great. And so, you know, this is me, frugal pastor. I'm like, I'm going to save a few bucks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book it through Expedia, which is, you, if you're laughing, you know what a terrible idea that is because that was a terrible idea. I saved $10, not worth it. And I'll tell you why. We drove the whole way there. Uh, and this is, I don't know, it's probably three, four hours, I think, maybe. Um, you know, so it's, it's long enough where it's not like an hour away where you just go back home. We get there. And we go to check in. I go up to the front desk. I have like my code on the email and all that. I'm like, hey, we're you know we're here for a room. And she's like, oh yeah, like we don't have any rooms. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I booked this like three months out. This is my like this is my room. She's like, no, 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 no. We told Expedia several weeks ago that we had no more rooms, but they just don't listen because they buy like they're they're taking a gamble all the time, right? Because they're assuming no one's gonna be there. Well, just like Caesar and his census, Goshen, Indiana too had a very hopping event. The 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 county fair or state fair, I don't even know. Everybody was there, everyone in Goshen, India. Goshen, India is not very big. There were so many people there. I was like, okay, well, what do I do? And she's like, I'm sorry, we have no room at the end. Just kidding. Uh, she's like, we have no room. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm here with my wife and we gotta stay somewhere and I paid money. So I call Expedia, of course, you know, that's fun, going through like 10 different phone numbers and being rerouted. And, and then eventually they just, they don't do anything. They don't even refund my money. So we drive to four different hotels in Goshen. Guess what? Same result. Oh, man, didn't you know it's the state fair? Like, you've been booked out for weeks. Yes, I knew that, but it doesn't matter because I had my Expedia tickets. So <laughs> anyways, I w Sarah was not pregnant. We were not about to give birth, but I was already, like, uh, we, ha we did have a baby, yes. But, but I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, this is the worst. And, I mean, worst comes to worst. We could have driven back four hours and just not went to the conference. Um, but this is the story that God creates and designs for his son and his entrance into the world is what seems like absolute mayhem and just seems like, are, is God, is he writing this story or is he letting someone else write it? Because I don't think I'd write it like that if I was doing it. And so sure enough, they, they find a place. Uh, it's not a guest room or an inn. It's this basically area where a lot of these houses that were built in ancient Near East, most poor people's homes, which is Bethlehem, would have all the animals at the bottom, lower floor, and they would live on like the second floor. And so basically, you know, you're in this like garage slash, you know, it's not like heated, with all the animals in the, like the basement, if you will, with all these animals, which is not sanitary. I mean, talking about, we're all wearing masks today, like not sanitary for childbirth. And she gives birth and then lays the savior of the world into a smelly feeding trough. That is the Christmas story. And, I mean, I, I just, I just, I don't even, I don't even have a lot to say, actually. I just want you to think about that. That, how do I know that I have a hope in Jesus? Well, if you think about this, God is so intentional. He's not being flippant here. He's not just being ridiculous. He's saying, look, I want to show you with every grain that I can, that I am here, and then I am all about the lowly, and the outcasts, and the marginalized. Think about it. Who are the first people that God reveals the good news of Jesus being born to. Shepherds, the lowest of the low. I don't, we don't have a lot of shepherds in Columbus, I don't think. I don't know, maybe. Um, but if you could think of the lowest paying job or the most like 
grimy job that you would be like, yeah, that's what happens if you don't even graduate high school or maybe even middle school. You go do that because that's what they do. And that's the shepherds. They're, they're probably not very smart, rough around the edges. Probably, they definitely smell terrible. That's for sure. And angels come to them. They don't go to like the Bethlehem mayor. They don't go to like these high up people. They go to the lowest of the low. And then later we have a story. This just happens later. So if you have a nativity scene, you know, you have the wise men that are there. They're technically not there yet. So my sister honored me in that by putting her wise men on the other side of the room in her apartment. So that was pretty cool. That was, I was like, oh, she does get me. But, um, but then, then we see the wise men later in the story, right? They come and they visit this little baby Jesus. And they come from several different cities where people didn't come visit, didn't think anything of it. And these guys who were, they would be considered heathens, right? Like, these just pagans out in, in the eastern country are, are thinking this, this could be the savior of the world. We're going to go see. We're going to bring gifts. We're going we're gonna to give him the, the glory that we think he might deserve when we get there. So you have shepherds. You have wise men. You have in a manger. You have no family really around, right? Like, not likely. You're in a really terrible space. You're away from home. You have, you're already social outcasts, so even like after this birth, you don't have a bunch of people getting on a meal train. Like They don't want to talk to you because they get in trouble if they talk to you. Like, it's bad. And, and out of this crazy, just ridiculous, smelly, dirty, just radical story, God shows us that the entire narrative of this story is centered around his, the, the humility and the lowliness and, and the marginalized of the world. And he does that because that is how Jesus came and that is how Jesus lived his life, is serving others through his own humility and sacrifice. So if you ask yourself, what hope do I have in Jesus? I would say, well, look at the lowest of the low. Look at the shepherds. Look at a God who could have done this story completely different in a lot of different ways, with a lot more safety, with a lot more cultural, you know, uppity-uppity, right? Like, he could have done all these different things, and he didn't. Why? Because he wants us to know that the story of Jesus is the most beautiful thing because the God of the universe not only stoops down to our level, but he stoops down to the lowest level that we can probably imagine. And then out of that, we see him saving us. And I, I think that, 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 you know, people who have this trouble, how do I have a hope in Jesus? I mean, he's the most accessible person that we know. Imagine him growing up as a teenager in for some reason, teenage boys are talking about their birth stories, which would not happen. But they're talking about it, and he's like, let me tell you mine. I mean, people are going to be like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And so Jesus, God sent Jesus to earth to, we've been talking about this for Matthew for several, several weeks. We've been going through Matthew. We're continuing it for a long time. And, and it's all about this kingdom, that God is, is ushering in this kingdom through Jesus and that when Jesus is there, he says, look, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Which means turn what you're doing, turn away from your own kingdom, and join my kingdom. And Jesus' birth is, is a, a start of that kingdom. And for us, that's what we celebrate because, like I said, it could have been done a bunch of different ways. And it wasn't. And it was done this way for a very specific reason. Because God wants us to know that the hope that we can have in him is that he is reaching so far for you. Regardless of where you are. How you feel about yourself, how alone you are, what job you have, how much money you make, how close you are with your own family. He, he is extending himself as far as he possibly could. And I, I want to close with this because I think it just brings it full circle. Is in 1 John 3, I, uh, I love this verse. It says in verse 16, I actually use this at weddings a lot because I think this just depicts such a beautiful love. Is 
It says that we have come to know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and thus we ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians, for others. And I just think about that this is how we know love, that God gave his son, that his son gave his life for us, and that is what we celebrate at Christmas, is his birth, knowing the hope that we have throughout his life. Praise God for, for his life. Praise God that he has stories. Like the man, when he died, had a, like insane amounts of stories. He, he, he knew what it was like to have a really hard family. He knew what it was like to be alone when all your best friends desert you. He knew what it was like to be poor, to not know what he was going to wear or eat tomorrow. He knew what it was like to go through some of the hardest treachery. I mean, even his own family. He had to deal with them, like thinking, you're crazy, man. Jesus has felt it. He has experienced it. And, and I just think, just for this next few days even, I just want us to think about, this is the story that God chose for his son. And all of the things that he did are so intentional at reaching your heart. And so as we, um, as we continue to, to, uh, to sing some Christmas songs, I'm going to invite back up the band. And I just want us to close with two things. We're going to do two fun things today. Um, one that we always do is we do what we call bread and cup, which is a part of communion. So Jesus' last day on earth, first day, pretty crazy. Last day, also pretty crazy. He, uh, he, the last thing he wants to do is have dinner with his closest people. And so they have um, bread and, and uh, wine and probably some other things as well. But he takes these and, and he says, look, this is my body, this is my blood, and this is the sacrifice that I'm making for you. And so we want to take that. If you believe in Jesus, that's... That's a reminder, and the reason why we do that every Sunday and we're doing it today is because the birth is, is exciting, but we also remind ourselves of why did Jesus even have to come, right? Why did he even have to be born? Why did he have to be man uh, dying for our sins? And so this is a reminder, and what's cool about it is we do it together because it's an opportunity for us to, to be like, oh, all of us in the room need this, right? We all need it. So if you haven't gotten one, Jerry's in the back here. He can uh, he'll walk the aisle if you need one. Uh, and the second thing we're going to do, so we're going to do that during this next song. And in the last song, we're going to close with Silent Night, which is a classic. And uh, you do have a piece of candle that will, I was going to make a funny fire joke, but I got nothing. You have a, you have a candle, probably too soon, we're in the new space. You have a candle. Uh, <laughs> during the song, Jerry will come by and light them. If you would light the people in your, eye, in your row, that'd be great. And we're going to sing uh, Silent Night as we close together. Thank you for listening to the Contrast Church Podcast. To learn more about us and how you can be a part of it, visit contrast.church.